Hi, welcome to What Are the Tax Implications? I'm Ron Scott. I'm Jeff Rosenthal. We are your first call tax advocates here once again to help increase your financial and tax knowledge. In this episode of What Are the Tax Implications, we'll be discussing the self-employment tax and Social Security and Medicare payroll taxes. Also, we'll be talking about the Tax Advocate Service, a wonderful group of people helping the taxpayer with some of the challenges of working with the IRS. And lastly, we'll be talking about the numbers for 2020, the contribution limits, how the tax numbers may have changed, retirement numbers, all here on What Are the Tax Implications? Whether you're the CEO of your household or of your business, questions constantly arise regarding the tax consequences of your financial circumstance. First Call Tax Advocates is always here to answer your questions and offer educational background regarding the potential tax implications of your action. Ron and Jeff are your first responders. They are board-certified financial and tax professionals with over 60 years of experience. Please visit their website, firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more about them, explore their resources, and leave a review of your experience. For more urgent matters, please call them toll-free at 833-568-8999. That's 833 833- Five six eight eight nine nine nine. The topics and responses discussed here are intended for general education. Our discussions are not intended to give you advice on your specific situation. We would advise you to seek advice from a competent and licensed professional. Tax law is always evolving and our discussions are based on the law existing to date. Our first caller is Mark from Marco Island, Florida. And Mark is a small business owner and he has been paying his social security taxes as the employee and as the employer. Yes, the employer makes the contribution equal to the employee's contribution. But if you're self-employed, Jeff, it's two times. 7.65 right? times two. So that's 15.3%. Now, there's a, there's a rather cal- you know, a, a c- complex calculation that gets us to the, um, the self-employment income, the self-employment tax. That's beyond the scope of this session. We just want to make sure it's understood that if you are self-employed, you're going to have to pay two times normal, uh, two times that 7.65. So, Mark, um, uh, thank you for continuing to contribute. You may not know that you're contributing. The tax software, Jeff, certainly does that calculation for us. It does. And, you know, in some instances, you could be contributing to Social Security from multiple sources. For instance, I am self-employed. But I also receive W-2 wages from the different gigs that I have. And if I put in too much money, Jeff, um, what would happen? If you end up hitting the maximum Social Security contribution and you're now overfunded into it because you have multiple sources, then you would get a 
um, adjustment on your personal income tax return to get that money back. If, on the other hand, your employer miscalculated and took too much money, then you've got to get that excess money back from the from the employer. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, to do's if we are out of balance. But just to just to get some numbers down, I, this is not going to be a numbers call, Mark. But in 2020, the Social Security wage base is one hundred and thirty seven thousand seven hundred. The percentage that um, that goes into Social Security is six point two percent. The reason we got to 7.65, Jeff, was you included the Medicare, Medicare. 1.45. So if we take that 137,700 and multiply it by 6.2%, that means um, 6. you have- 6.25, isn't it? Um, it 6. is 6.2. Oh, 6.2 without the Medicare. Right? Yes, I'm sorry. So that means that- um, Mark, your eighth, your first eight thousand five hundred and thirty-seven dollars and forty cents. So on your, your um, out of that hundred and thirty-seven seven, if you continue to put in six point two percent, you'd be you would have put in eight thousand five thirty-seven forty, and then as the self-employed person, you would put in an additional eight thousand five thirty-seven forty, and then Jeff on his next dollar above one thirty-seven seven. What happens? There's no Social Security contribution, but there is a Medicare contribution. Which is 1.45%. So you will always have to pay the medic into Medicare payroll taxes on all of your earned income. And if you make too much money, you could end up having a Medicare tax on top of your contributions. And that's... Um, I believe for a single person, it's $200,000 of adjusted gross income. And anything above that, you'd be paying an additional 0.9%. So that would bring you to 2.35% on Medicare. And if you're self-employed, <laughs> now you're at 4.7%. So these are, I'll say they're hidden taxes, but they're not. They're, they're hiding in plain sight. <laughs> you know, we contribute to our payroll taxes, right, through our employers. And if you're self-employed, you have the, the, the double and you have the Medicare tax too, Jeff. You know, what's interesting about that is some people complain about the, the magnitude of that money, the quantity of that money. But then when you are eligible for Medicare, um, the Medicare premiums for health insurance are modest. They're very, very modest. And you may say, well, why? Well, that's because you've really contributed through all these years. The government has that pool of money to go to. So you're not going into the marketplace and buying buying market rate insurance. So you might only pay 1600 or or more now that there's some income escalators in there. If you make higher income, they can actually increase your Medicare premiums. But compared to going out in the marketplace and paying ten, twelve, fourteen, eighteen thousand dollars for health insurance, Medicare is still a pretty decent deal. So remember, please, Mark, that those contributions are not like you putting money into a retirement account. 
We can argue whether they're insurance premiums or taxes, but that's not your money. That's the amount of money that you need to contribute based on your earnings today for a future benefit that you'll be receiving. It is not dollar for dollar. Turns out that you would have put in less money than what you would be taking out if you lived for a long period of time. But if you died shortly after starting to take Social Security, you could very well be on the losing end. That's a topic for another day. Good luck, Mark. Our next caller is John from North Bergen. Jeff, John has been uh, dealing with examinations and collections at the IRS for a while. He has written protests. He's working with um, what he believes to be an able representative, but, you know, we're not getting much progress with the IRS. And he was wondering, you know, is there any other way to get this thing resolved other than dealing with the um, the difficult to communicate with IRS? Well, there is. There is a very special group of people in a very special organization. It used to be part of the IRS. It's now a separate agency, thanks to recent legislation called the Taxpayer Advocate Service, or for short, we call them TAS. And the TAS people are the problem solvers. Uh, Though they have the authority to resolve problems on their own, they don't usually exert that authority. They they delegate it out to people within the IRS, the collection division, the audit division, uh, the exam division, uh, the lien unit, uh, wherever. But they are the babysitters, they the overseers, they are your advocate inside the government, and they'll move the documents from desk to desk to desk to desk to make sure that you get resolution. And they're an amazing group of people. And um, I've uh, I've used them many, many times to advocate for people's rights. And Jeff, I just picked up this wonderful pamphlet that the Taxpayer Advocate Service has put out. And I've I've kind of skimmed it and I found something very interesting here. It's it's the when to come to us. Now, you all know when to come to us at First Call Tax Advocates, right? Um, we are the first call. We should be the first call. You're stuck somewhere. You're jammed. You have questions. You've lost sleep. And it has to do with a financial matter, a tax matter, etc. So the first thing you do is you call first call tax advocates. But regarding the tax advocate service, it says here, when to come to us. First, try to resolve your problem with the IRS on your own, right? Meaning use a representative, right? That's correct. Uh, but if you can't, then come to us. TAS can help you if your problem with the IRS is causing financial difficulties for you, your family, or your business. What do they mean by that? Well, so TAS doesn't want to be the go-to agency first. They want to be there after you have tried several times to resolve the problem and you were unsuccessful. You had a problem, you wrote to the service center or to the audit group, uh, you don't understand, we disagree, and they just never responded to you. That's the, that's the ticket to go to TAS. Then it says if you face or if your business is facing an immediate threat of mm. adverse action. So 
you've been trying to communicate with the government, you can't pay your your tax bill or whatever, uh, and they're about to lean garnish your wages um, in some other way, encumber your money, you can then go to Taz to ask them for a freeze and to ask them for some type of payment mitigation, uh, currently non-collectible or to help... Uh, help get you to somebody to do an installment arrangement or something. Uh, so remember, we've been telling you that the key, the magic sauce here is communication. Um, again, what's your ticket into the advocate? You've tried to communicate. You just didn't get a response. Taz will help get you to the better result. And then we come to the last when to come to us. And that's what, what John from North Bergen is dealing with, Jeff. You have tried repeatedly to contact the IRS, but no one has responded or the IRS hasn't responded by the date promised. That's the ticket into the door. Again, they're not the first call we are, uh, but uh, when you have resolution issues, when you have a matter pending and you just can't get to a solution, you've tried, you've called um, uh, very ineffectively, you've written letters, nobody has responded to the government, from the government, uh, you then go to Taz and Taz will open up doors. Ta Taz will get people to, to make phone calls. Taz will um, get that imminent threat of seizure of your money, a lean, a wage garnishment, those kinds of things. Taz will uh, try and get you to a better outcome. There's so much more with regard to the effectiveness of TAS and working with TAS. And I, for those who are, who are interested, you know the number to call here at First Call Tax Advocates. Good luck, John. Remember, the First Call Tax Advocates, Ron and Jeff, are your first responders. Board certified professionals, over 60 years of experience. Visit their website, firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more, explore, and leave a review. For more urgent matters, call them toll-free at 833-568-8999. That's 833-568-8999. And for you subscribers, we offer a complimentary consultation to discuss your tax matter. Our next caller, who we spoke to just in the last episode, it's Vivian from Vermont. Vivian was very happy with the education that we gave her on, you know, the to-dos to file her taxes in July. And now she's eager for more education on how much can she contribute to an IRA. Um, what are some of the other limits and opportunities she may have? So we're going to talk about the numbers, Jeff, the 2020 numbers. And of course, there is the caution now that we've had the pandemic and the financial chaos that's coming from that, that these numbers may change. So we have no idea of what the final numbers are, but... One of the things we will not do here is we will not address rumors. So we're going to tell you the facts as they are today. So let's start with um, the standard deduction. Okay, so Vivian, I do not know if you are a candidate for itemized deductions, but the standard deduction has changed. It's gone up. 
in 2019 for a single person it was 12,200 and now it's 12,400 okay married filing jointly has gone from twice as much right 244 up to 24,800 okay uh, the other filing statuses kind of follow suit and essentially what that means is rather than list all your expenses, they're giving you that deduction automatically, regardless. And the only way that you would itemize if your actual covered expenses are greater than what the standard deduction is. Additionally, the, um, the brackets have changed as far as the ranges. We still have the same... Um, rate the same tax rates as per the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We have um, the 10%, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, and 37. Okay, but the, the income ranges have changed slightly. Then we have a gift and estate tax, Jeff. Well, oh, let me just say the, the capital gains and, and ordinary dividends rates, they have not changed. They're still 0, 15, or 20. Percent. Right percent, and the um, the ranges though of the taxable income has changed a little bit. But let's talk about gift and estate tax, Jeff. Some changes there. No, same numbers. The gift tax, the annual gift tax exclusion, is still fifteen thousand dollars per donor donee combination. So you may give to anybody um, up to fifteen thousand dollars without it being deemed. A taxable the gift. donor is the giver of the money. The donee is the recipient. But the estate and gift tax lifetime exemption has gone up a little bit. Last year, it was a whopping $11,400,000. What does that mean? I wish, wish, I wish I had that much money to give away. It means that you may give away during your life or at death combined, unified, together, aggregated, whatever word you want to use, up to $11.4 million in, that was 2019, 2020, they've added an extra 180000 It's $11,580,000. And that is a good, if you got that much money and you want to give it away, you could do a lot with that. That means <laughs> for the overwhelming majority of the country, there will not be an inheritance tax at the federal level. States vary. Right. So, again, let's get the language right. There wouldn't be an estate tax. That is correct. Right. So, we do have states that have their own estate tax. Um, I live in a state that has an estate tax, New York. Uh, Jeff is fortunate living in New Jersey. They used to have a... They called it a death tax in New Jersey. They used to have it. It's now, it's been repealed. That was a classic uh, repeal that took place there too in New Jersey. And the moral of the story is that the states can change. So whatever's uh, in effect today may not be tomorrow. And so, for example, about how things work out, the estate tax has been there for many, many years. There was one year where there was no estate tax. And that happened to have been the year that the owner of the Yankees, John George Steinbrenner, had passed away, and the Steinbrenner family paid zero taxes for that. Uh, and what a what a financial victory for his family! Yes, eighteen other billionaires also benefited from that. So additional limits, uh, Vivian. 
or, or opportunities. Uh, for an IRA contribution, it's $6,000, just as it was last year. And if you're 50 or older, it is $1,000 in a catch-up contribution, same as last year. That's for contributions to IRAs. The deductibility of a traditional IRA is a function of your adjusted gross income, and the contribution to a Roth IRA also is a function of your adjusted gross income. Qualified plans have gone up a little bit as far as the contributions. Um, the the student loan interest remains the same. What about the 401k numbers? Ah, the 401k numbers, the, the contribution to the 401k is last year 19000 this year 19500 that's the employee deferral amount now that's that is has moved up a little bit and that's a good thing the catch up contribution has gone from 6000 to 6500 so a guy like me who's over 50 can contribute $26000 right? i could put away $26000 into my 401k this year that's, that's wonderful. Uh, the corporate tax rate is 21%. And we have the flow-through, pass-through opportunities for the qualified business income still 20% with lots and lots of calculations there. Social Security 137.7 is the Social Security wage base. It's gone up. That's something. It jumped up. It was 132.9 last year. And again, we won't look into our crystal ball. These are the numbers, the legislation as it states today, uh, June 1st. But um, I would anticipate some kind of changes to some, if not all of these numbers before the end of the year. Congress clearly will have to act as a result of the financial calamity of the pandemic. So stay tuned. Vivian, thanks for calling back. Um, hopefully, we've given you additional education. If you need more detail, feel free to call. Good luck, Vivian. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. You probably have additional questions, don't you? We are your first call. Remember, everyone's situation is unique, but we should be your first call. We are your first responders. The 911 operator doesn't call you. Please call us toll-free at 833-568-8999. Again, 833-568-8999. And visit our website at firstcalltaxadvocates.com. We'd love to know what you've learned today, so please leave a review on our website. We have attempted to appeal to a broad audience, but we want to help everyone if we can. On our next episode of What are the Tax Implications, we'll be discussing the following topics. The final tax return. The tax return that's filed in that last year of a person's life. Also, representing or advocating for a decedent's estate if there are any tax issues. How are they represented? What can we do for the survivors to help the executor? And lastly, we'll be discussing basic estate administration. What to do after somebody passes away if you are that personal representative, maybe you're an important person in that decedent's life, 
And now you're asked, okay, can can you help? 